great to be bringing the Word of God to you again uh, as we uh, wrap up our series, uh, which uh, we called simply If. Uh, it's not that we um, uh, run short of uh, lack of paper or anything going with a short title, but uh, we've been looking at the small little word if uh, and uh, looking at the impact that it makes in the scriptures, the way that it's used in the Bible and what it means for uh, our life. Uh, those of you who have been here every week would remember we started with the statement, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Quoting Jesus of Nazareth, uh, taken from uh, John's story of his life. Uh, and uh, it was a powerful statement that uh, when Jesus comes into our life, we experience freedom that we get from nowhere else, from no one else, uh, and that it really changes our life. And you remember we talked about that statement, uh, if the truth uh, sets you free, Jesus went on to say you will be free indeed. So uh, um, uh, many of you have heard that quote in movies uh, from different places uh, at different times, but it was in fact said by Jesus and uh, he said it in the context of that verse. And the second week, we talked about if God being for us, who can be against us? And we looked at the fact that God has declared himself for all people. He's died for all people. He's given himself to all people. And because of that, uh, there was actually nothing that out could outdo that. That when we said yes to Jesus, we said yes to a measure of favour and a measure of blessing uh, that can't be overcome by anything that we could do or that anyone could do to us. Uh, it was just unique uh, in its power and in the influence that it had on our life. Then last week we said that if you declare Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And again, on this occasion, we're talking about that power that comes in the statement, our agreement that Jesus is Lord, that he's our saviour uh, and that he then becomes our saviour when we make that declaration that, that Jesus is unique, that he is alone in who he is uh, and that uh, he not only saves us in the future uh, when we come to sharing our, or breathing our last here on earth, but his saving grace goes on in our life day by day. That that. Uh, we can call on Jesus for anything, about anything, at any time, any place, and that God has been in the saving business since time began. That, that he's always been in that business of looking out for people, of reaching out to people and of receiving their cry. The shortest prayer uh, in the English language is help. And God's heard it many times and uh, he's ready to respond. So this week we come to the final if, uh, and it is if we love one another, God lives in us. And this one takes a little bit of a turn uh, because uh, up until this point we've been talking mainly about our relationship with God and, and how God interacts with us, not only as a group of people but as individuals. But now we're looking at a statement in the, in the Scriptures that talks about our relationship with each other, but again relates that back to the life and the love of God. And uh, it's an incredible uh, promise. Uh, you would think, you might find someone say, well, you know, a parent might say to their kids, well, if you just love one another, you know, there'd be a lot more peace in the house. 
Uh, you know, if you just get along with each other, things would go a lot better. Um, we've probably all said something like that at different times, thought that at different times. And that would be true <laughs> if we did love one another and, and if we did uh, look out for one another, then things would certainly go uh, a lot smoother in a lot more situations. But unbelievably, the, the, God, uh, the Bible is saying to us that if we do that as followers of Jesus, that somehow the life of God uh, resides within us and his, the love of God it becomes complete in us and that it's not only good for interracial, interpersonal relationships, but it actually brings the very life of God into our lives and as you'll see in a few moments' time, makes God's love perfect in us. You could say that love, loving one another causes a miracle to happen within us and causes a miracle to happen among us. That, that as we give that offer of love to each other, uh, that something divine occurs in our fellowship, in our families, in our communities, uh, and that uh, God really uh, comes to dwell within us in a significant way. So that's the direction that we want to head into today. Uh, we are going to be talking about love and the impact that it has among us. Now what I'd like to do to begin with today is to read this passage from 1 John chapter 4. Uh, this is written by um, one of uh, uh, Jesus' uh, apostles uh, who wrote the Gospel of John and then wrote some letters to uh, the church community that uh, he was a part of. So we're reading one of those. This one's called Number One. It's a very complicated titling system. Uh, no uh, trilogy is one, two, three. If you're ever struggling for an identification system, go with the first three numbers and you should be fine. So that's what John decided to use. So this is what he wrote to them. And we're going to read through this passage, verses 7 to 21, and then we're going to come back and unpack some key statements that he makes within that. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God has loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister 
whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So the Bible tells us uh, in this passage that uh, not only that God is love, but that love comes from God. All right, so you might think of yourself uh, as a loving person. Uh, You might think that's, yeah, I I would describe myself in that way. Well, uh, in case you're wondering, that idea, that concept uh, didn't come from you. (laughs) You didn't create that. Uh, If there's anything good in us, it comes from God. And uh, not only that, however, that often what we call love uh, is uh, not really the love that God himself has in mind. And that's explained a bit in this passage that we're going to go through in a few moments' time. Uh, It also says that loving others is a sign that one has been born of God uh, and that they know God. So that's an interesting phrase to talk about, born of God. What does that mean? Does that mean that we were born or uh, that uh, what's it referring to? Many of you would be aware that Jesus uh, is quoted in John's Gospel uh, as telling uh, a person that came to inquire of him that you must be born again. So uh, we are not born as human beings with uh, what you might call an automatic relationship with God that every human being has to come to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said in John's Gospel again, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. John 14 verse 6. So, uh, you know, God has sent his Son and the way to God is through Jesus. Uh, There's no other way. And Jesus not only says that we must come to him, but we must be born again. So it's not that we just sort of accidentally drift into Jesus. You know, we don't sort of just wake up one day and say, well, look at that, I'm following Jesus. (laughs) I'm just, you know, there it is. But it comes to a point where we encounter Jesus, where we hear his claims, where we hear his promises, where he makes, if you like, his claims upon us and, and we say, I'm turning away from that life I'm, I'm changing my mind about Jesus. I used to think this way about God and Jesus, but, but now I think this way and I've become born again by his Holy Spirit and I'm now going in that direction. So that describes that. Now that process happens differently for lots of different people. It happens. Sometimes it's quite dramatic. Sometimes it is relatively incremental, but everyone who says they're a Christian should be able to identify a time when perhaps they didn't think that way about themselves or or they weren't following Jesus and then they made this directional change and said, Jesus is my Lord and Saviour, I'm following him. So uh, John says that this is a, uh, loving is an indication of this rebirth taking place and then it says it knows God, so it's not that we know his address or his phone number, but we have this relationship with him that reflects an ongoing relationship with him. So we, we uh, pray, we read his word, we interact with other believers, we attend church, I mean, go through the list, but we've basically said loving God and following God is our priority. And so God sa- uh, John says that this loving is a reflection of our rebirth and our ongoing relationship. 
Now, to further enforce the point, enforce the point, John then also says that the reverse is true, that not loving is a sign of not having a relationship with God. Uh, that uh, uh, to not love uh, is to not be connected with God, is to not be born again, is to not be with him. Now, it's true that you know we all do better at different times about expressing the love of God in our lives, about displaying the love of God in our lives. But John wants us to understand that to claim to have a relationship with God uh, and to not love is in one sense an impossibility and in the other a contradiction. (laughs) They don't go together. Uh, And that we can't get around that point and uh, that we have to own up to that reality and that we have to be in relationship with God and we also have to love. Now he then goes on to explain uh, what uh, this love looks like, but I want to say a few uh, more points about that in the moment. But the first point we want to get to from that opening passage is that true love begins with and comes from God. That uh, our ability to love, uh, our knowledge of what even love is, uh, in the truly sacrificial sense, uh, begins with and comes from God. And uh, really that us loving each other in such a way, as I said earlier, is a miracle and is required of God. So we need to understand that. Um, Now just back to verse 9 for a moment and we want to look at uh, how did God show his love for us and this is where it really gets exciting. It says, uh, just going back for a moment, that uh, uh, this is how God showed his love for us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So God's most significant loving act ever is to send his, his son, his representative, his envoy, his own person, as it were, into the world so that the power of sin and death in our lives, the power of every wrong thing that we've done and every wrong thing that's been done to us is broken when we say yes to Jesus. It's dealt with and we are released into freedom to live and to love when we say yes to Jesus. And God didn't, God didn't send a chief executive. He didn't send whoever was free. He didn't send, uh, you know, just uh, whoever he could spare. But he prioritised this to such an extent that he sent his son into the world. And John says that's how God showed his love. And the outcome of that is so that we might live through him. Uh, and sometimes there's a concept, is that, well, what does that look like? And it's as if the life of Jesus that's contained in God's Holy Spirit, when we say yes to Jesus, we step into that life. Uh, yes, God does come to live in us, that's true, but we also live in him and through him. And that's why to not love just makes no sense because you are now in the love of God, literally. The love of God is living in you and through you. So to love is just to flow with what's happening in Jesus all the time. Uh, and, And that's just part of the miracle that happened when we said yes to Jesus. So God sending his son 
is a significant expression of that love and it's so that we might live through him. Now God then, uh, John then expands uh, on what this, and he starts to talk and expand on what this love is. He said, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So he expands on this sending of Jesus. And he now introduces the idea of an atoning sacrifice for sin. So uh, sin, sin's a problem for us. Sin refers to our separation from God. It refers to things that, that you know, we don't do wrong. And Jesus, as I said earlier, breaks that power and becomes the sacrifice, becomes the thing that deals with that sin. He also makes the point that love, as I said earlier, doesn't start with us, but it starts with God loving us. And I'm so glad that my relationship with God isn't reliant on my ability to love him and to love others. I mean, folks, I ask you to think for a moment, where would our relationship be if it came down to how well I loved God, to how well I responded to him? I mean, it'd be a shocker. But thankfully, love and God's love for us starts with God's love for us. Someone told me a really uh, interesting explanation, uh, which is sort of relevant, but I enjoyed it so much I'm going to tell it to you anyway. Um, but uh, sometimes, and we're some, sometimes we're not aware of this, sometimes we're painfully aware of it, but we should perhaps think of ourselves as a cracked vessel. This person said a cracked teapot. I mean, does anyone still have teapots? Okay, Kathy. All right. Thanks, Terry. Check you're good on your back. Okay. All right. Then I haven't got as far out as you thought. All right. We use tea bags. You have a teapot. Where are they? You know, I've never seen them. We could have cracked one and I could have bought it here this morning. All right. Cracked teapot. All right. They're everywhere. You're going to get this is going to be easy. So imagine that you've got a teapot that was shattered. And, but then it's been put together expertly using the very best uh, super glue that binds it together. Now, so often we are aware in our life of our crackedness. You know, we are painfully aware of our inability to love, the things that are going wrong, and, and we're focused on the, our crackedness, our brokenness. That we're, sometimes we feel like we've been smashed by life. But the glue that's holding us together is Jesus. So no matter how much we want to look at the cracks and and how we got into that uh, broken, fractured position, God and his strength is the thing that's holding us together. And it's that strength that enables the cracked vessel to go on and function. So we literally can't tear ourselves apart when we're born again in Jesus, when we have the Holy Spirit, because God's not letting go of the broken person. He's just not letting us go. And sometimes we think, you know, I see this and I see that, and this has happened and that's happened, and we're just repeating it and stressing it, but God's holding us together. So the love of God literally holds us together, keeps us in one piece and one place and thankfully we come to rely on that and I want to talk about that in a few moments time. Dear friends, since God has also loved us, we ought to love one another. We've received love, we should share it. No one has ever seen God but if 
we love one another, God lives in us, and that's the if promise, and his love is made complete in us. So the cue to the end of that one is that uh, if we want the love of God, I mean, who doesn't want the love of God? I mean, (laughs) has anyone got too much love? I mean, I don't know, maybe you're just all loved up. I mean, has anyone here experienced enough of God's love that they wouldn't care if he didn't love them for another day? I mean, come on. I want that love. I want the favour of the all-gracious, all-conquering, all-merciful God on me. I know I need it. But in order for that love to become complete in me, it says right there in front of you, I have to release that love beyond me because God didn't just love me for me. I mean, I'm a pretty special person. I mean, I know God really loves me and, and I know he thinks about me a lot and, but I think he feels like that about others too. Well, there you go. So he's not just loving me so that I feel loved but so that I release that love to you. Because then we just got love going on everywhere. And what happens is that if I withhold God's love, if I simply think it's all about me and him loving me, and I don't release and love others because God has loved me, then it doesn't become complete in me. I'm, I, that's not going to do. I've got to let it go. It's, we've got to share it beyond ourselves. And then we experience the true joy of the love of God that is for all people. So as we let God's love go, as it were, he's fully alive in us and his love becomes complete for us. So that's, that's a pretty powerful reason. So John emphasises God as the initiator of love, Um, and that the love resulting in him sending his son uh, is good for us. So we might say that true love is sacrificial. Now this this is a confronting concept for us today because the word love, I mean, how many times do you hear it in a day? You consume the media, I love ice cream, you know, ooh, what a feeling, I love Toyotas. Uh, I mean, love gets used and banded around in so many different contexts, especially at the moment, we hear a lot about it. But, you know, so often when we, and even we fall into this trap, when we use the word love, we're not meaning that. When we often say, I love you, we're often saying, you make me feel good. You meet my needs. You taste good. Uh, Mr. Ice Cream, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's, it's often reflecting when we say, I love you, we're thinking, you bless me. And so when we start to talk about the love of God being focused outside of himself to us, and when it comes for us to stand in front of another person, maybe that we're planning to marry or that is part of the church with us, and we look at them and say, I love you, we need to go to understand what that means. Because it can't only mean, I love you because you make me feel good, you make me laugh. It's got to actually mean, I am sacrificing for you. 
I am uh, giving to you. In fact, we maybe should get rid of the term I love you because what does that really mean? In the Bible, it's it's not a statement that you see a lot. It's more like it it means to mean I give myself to you. I am devoted to you. I will sacrifice for you because that's how God loves us. So think about that carefully sometimes when, when we go to say that term. Now, I'm not saying don't say to your spouse, I love you. Don't say to your kids, I love you. But just understand if all you're saying to them is, I have a good feeling about you, your love has fallen short of the love that God's shown you and that's found in the scriptures. Are you okay with that, folks? It's confronting, isn't it? Because I just want to say I love you. (laughs) I I mean, that's easy. I love you. (laughs) I love you. Oh, you're doing the wrong. I don't love you now. You're giving me a pain in the guts. But but it's not about that. It's I I devote myself to you. I I give myself to you. Two, one, two. Thank you, fellas. See how how long this goes, hey? Now, where are we up to? Right, so true love is sacrificial. And there's another one for you. True love is other-centred. And, and that, that, without the Spirit of God, without the Word of God, that really takes us a long time to get a hold of that. Because it's so often, as I said earlier, I love you is talking about how we feel, not about what we intend or are doing for the person that we're saying it to. Now, John then starts to talk about how we know and experience this love of God with us. He says, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. So in other words, it's not just words, but it's, a, it's an, an experiential experience of God. Like God is there, we know that he's there. And we have seen and testifying that the Father has sent the Son to be the saviour of the world If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. So the Holy Spirit is added to this display of God's love for us as well as the Son being sent. And God gives us the Spirit in response to our acknowledgement of three things. Firstly, that Jesus is God's Son. If you declare Jesus is Lord, uh, you will be saved. That's what we heard last week. So Jesus is God's son, but also Jesus was sent into the world by the Father. He comes from God. He comes from the Father. And that he was sent to be the saviour of the world. It's possible to acknowledge perhaps the first one and not the others. Maybe. It's possible to acknowledge the first two, but not the last one. In other words, oh yeah, I think Jesus is God's son. I think he's great. I think he said some smart things, but he ain't no saviour. I don't need no saving. It's possible to not get through all the way. So John says, get all of those three right, and the gift of God's Holy Spirit comes inside of us, and we live on him. And the last one, I just love that phrase, so we know and rely on the, God, on the love that God has for us. And isn't that a powerful idea that we can rely on the love God has for us. I told you about the cracked teapot earlier. You know, (laughs) 
God's just binding us together with his love and his Holy Spirit. God will never leave us or forsake us. He'll never depart from us. The, the love of God goes on and on and on. And so often we can be tempted to admit, you know, concede defeat and just to say, I can't, it won't, um, and so on and so forth. But we can rely on the love of God. It's truly trustworthy and never-ending. Um, We've been reading through Matthew's Gospel and some of you might have seen a Facebook post I made on August the 10th um, which said this. um, I've noticed in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6 to 9 that Jesus places a strong emphasis on asking and receiving and on the Father giving. Uh, It says in 6 verse 8, your Father in heaven knows what you need before you ask him. Isn't that comforting? Oh, I'm so reassured by that. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them, it says somewhere else. Ask and it will be given to you, for everyone who asks receives. How much more will you, Father in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? Go and it will be done for you uh, just as you believed it would. According to your faith, it will be done for you. It's stressed again and again and again that we can ask and receive that our faith and our trust and our belief in Jesus will be honoured by him. Uh, And finally, that passage ends when Jesus asked two blind men that had come to him for healing, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they simply said, yes, Lord. And that is the admission that we are invited to make along with them. Yes, Lord, we do believe that you can do these things that we're asking for you. So moving on, we finally say that true love is reliable. That's the point number four. True love is, um, uh, begins, and co- begins with and comes from God. True love is sacrificial. True love is other-centred. True love is reliable. John goes on to say, God is love. Whoever lives, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how... Love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Now, we all struggle with anxiety and sometimes we struggle with fear, but in the same way that John had said, you can't uh, say that you love God and not love others, He is now saying that you can't have an experience of God's love and not let go of fear. That to to experience God's love is to put an end to fear, is to not fear about your future, your circumstances, about confronting God on the day of judgment, uh, but it is to accept that that love has driven out that fear. And that's a challenge for all of us, but it gives us a warning that if we're ever finding ourselves repeatedly going through fear or in fear, that we need a fresh or a new or a quick experience of the love of God. That that we need to understand that that love is not reflected in fear in any way and that God is with us in a powerful way. So true love is without fear. That's point number five. And then, moving on, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar, 
For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. John is making the point that before you stands a man or a woman who uh, God has died for, God has loved, who is a child of God. And if you will not release love to them, you can't then go over here to some unseen place and say, oh, look, God, I'm loving you. (laughs) But over here, the person you died for, I'm not loving them. John's saying that doesn't work, that won't make sense. But to be over here, as it were, and have an experience of God's love through the power of his Holy Spirit is then to move over here and release that love, that sacrificial love, to another person. And that when we do that, as we said earlier, the love of God comes alive on the inside of us and and it is made complete within us. So finally, number six, we might say that true love loves others. It's others focused, but true love is expressed in loving others. It's not just about us. And it's not just about uh, how we feel. Now, at the end of that passage, John said something where he said about Jesus, he has given us this command. Uh, and it was the command to love one another. And that John recorded that promise in his 13th chapter of his gospel. And this is where we're going to finish today. When Jesus said to his disciples, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Can anyone tell me where Jesus was when he said this? What was going on at the time? I don't have a Mars bar, but I could get you one. If you want something else, that's okay. Anita Tanswell, on his way to the cross. And he was sharing a very important time with his disciples, Anita. Because, yes, he would be crucified the next day. Do you know what they were doing? Yes, it was. Someone just said it. I heard it. Now, what's that? The last Mars bar. You meant the last supper. (laughs) It was the last supper. So, yes, he was on his way to the cross. That was coming the next day. So it's interesting, isn't it, that the night that Jesus gets together with his disciples for the last time and earlier in this chapter washes their feet, much to their horror, like their their leader bends down and washes their feet, then they were equally horrified when he said, and you should do the same for each other. (laughs) It's getting worse. And he then explains to them how being Lord and Saviour does not mean that, you know, he doesn't have to serve, but in fact, in God's eyes, means that he serves those that he's given to sacrificially. And he wraps up this teaching moment with the description, a new command I give you, love one another. And they are to love one another in the same way that he has done, incredibly, sacrificially, by giving their life. 
that when this occurs, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. A signpost, a mark of following Jesus is the sacrificial love within the fellowship of believers. It's a sign. And Jesus calls it a new command. It's not something that really has been seen before. It's not just we love each other because you keep me warm or we love each other because you make me laugh or whatever it might be that serves my purposes, but it's about us sacrificially loving each other as the body of Christ. And folks, there's no doubt it's hard. It requires a sacrifice. You could say it's actually a miracle, but yet it's the life that we're called to as we say yes to him in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the example that you've given us, Lord, which is the sending of your Son into this earth and the sacrificing of his life so that we could be free from sin, so that we could be born again, so that we ourselves could experience your love but also, Lord, so that we could pass that love on to others, so that life might not be just about us, but that it might also be about the lives that you have placed us within, in our families, in our neighbourhoods, in our communities, in our workplaces, Lord, but of course, in the fellowship of believers that meets here at the Hills Christian Family Centre, but also, Lord, that meets all around the world. And Father, we thank you for the fact that your love is reliable, that your love literally holds us together, that it is never-ending and oh-so-strong. And Father, I want today to ask that you give everyone here in this place, a fresh new experience of your love, that no one leaves here this morning without having a sense of how you've set your affection upon them, how you desperately desire that they would be born again, that you want them to follow after you, to know your love, but equally as importantly, to share that love with others. Lord, we acknowledge today that your love cost you dearly, that it resulted in your sacrifice on the cross. And Father, at times we wonder how we could ever match such a love, how we could ever follow in that way. But Lord, you call us down that pathway and by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will make your love complete in us. Father, As we reflect this morning, as we now share in this time together, help us to be vehicles and vessels of your love, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.